Dr. Anthony Fauci and COVID propaganda appear to be the next subject regarding Twitter suppression and collusion activities. Kevin McCarthy is facing growing opposition in his quest to become Speaker of the House. Plus, radical left-wing teachers are bragging about indoctrinating children. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with Dr. Anthony Fauci because his day of reckoning appears to be coming, and it could be coming soon. Through Elon Musk's release of the Twitter files over the last week, we have learned that Twitter did indeed alter the reach of conservative voices through blocking, banning, and throttling. We learned that Twitter employees worked in conjunction with government officials to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story, thus directly interfering with the 2020 election. And we learned that Twitter rules and standards were altered, again, in conjunction with Democrats to permanently ban former President Trump. That's a summary of what we've learned so far. And now Musk is previewing that the next round of Twitter files could be Twitter's involvement in shutting down any dissenting views on COVID, lockdowns, masks, vaccines, and the role Fauci played in promoting anti-science policies that resulted in health issues, educational problems, and loss of employment for many Americans. Musk started things off early on Sunday by tweeting this. We have a picture of Fauci and Joe Biden with the quote, just one more lockdown, my king. So you can see where things are headed. One Twitter user responded by posting, when will we get the Twitter files on COVID? The info on the suspension of the many doctors and scientists. Who was involved? Suppression of what has turned out to be factual information. To which Elon Musk replied, oh, it is coming big time. Around 30 minutes later, Musk took things up a notch by tweeting, my pronouns are prosecute Fauci. Now, as you can imagine, that tweet triggered woke radical leftists on several levels. One, Musk is going after Fauci, and two, he is mocking the whole gender ideology preferred pronoun thing. This brought out the ire of Scott Kelly, whose brother is Democrat Senator Mark Kelly, who tweeted, Elon, please don't mock and promote hate toward already marginalized and at risk of violence members of the LGBTQ community. They are real people with real feelings. Furthermore, Dr. Fauci is a dedicated public servant whose sole motivation was saving lives. Oh, give me a break. Fauci should be in jail. And that tweet was just ridiculous. About an hour later, Musk replied with this. I strongly disagree. Forcing your pronouns upon others when they didn't ask and implicitly ostracizing those who don't is neither good nor kind to anyone. As for Fauci, he lied to Congress and funded gain-of-function research that killed millions of people. Not awesome, in my opinion. Fantastic response, and I'm certainly looking forward to what is revealed in the next Twitter files. The corporate media are completely ignoring the story, so it is up to all of us to provide the momentum and pressure so that Congress and the media find it impossible to dismiss. All right, next let's talk about the race to be the next Speaker of the House. But first, 
If you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search out my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, next let's talk about Kevin McCarthy and his quest to become the next Speaker of the House. McCarthy has had his eye on this position for years and was considered the front runner previously, just like he is now. His previous run for Speaker to replace John Boehner ended abruptly because of conservative opposition. Could it be deja vu all over again? Here's the story. The opposition to Mr. McCarthy's ascent to Speaker is driven by a group of five Republican lawmakers. Despite the absence of a viable alternative, they are determined to use their leverage in a bare Republican majority to make it difficult, if not impossible, for Mr. McCarthy to win the 218 votes needed to secure the Speaker's gavel on the opening day of the 118th Congress. Republicans are poised to govern with a five-seat majority, which means just a handful of rank-and-file lawmakers could thwart Mr. McCarthy's election. Representative Andy Biggs, Arizona Republican, is leading the effort to depose Mr. McCarthy, 57, who has headed the Republican conference since 2019 and before that served five years as majority leader. The five Republican House members who have said they will vote no against McCarthy include Biggs, Matt Gates of Florida, Matthew Rosendale of Montana, Ralph Norman of South Carolina, and Bob Good of Virginia. But those five aren't the only ones voicing opposition. As reported by The Hill on Friday, another group of seven conservative House members got together late last week and drafted a letter to the Republican leadership. And although not mentioning McCarthy by name, the letter laid out a list of demands they expect of the next Speaker of the House, including restoring members' ability to call for a motion to vacate the chair, requiring at least 72 hours to read a bill before a vote, and barring GOP leadership and leadership-affiliated PACs from getting involved in primaries. Now, here's a few notes to keep in mind on this topic. First, all we've been hearing for weeks is the opposition from the five hard-no Republicans. Now, we have another group of seven who are making demands. Second, the demand to restore a member's ability to move a motion to vacate the chair is something McCarthy said he will not do. Biggs is in the race. And if January comes around and McCarthy can't secure the 218 votes needed to be Speaker, don't be surprised if someone completely different emerges as a consensus choice. The politics around the Speakership is certainly heating up. And with such a thin majority, McCarthy's quest for his ultimate prize may be in serious danger. All right, next let's talk about the state of America's government-run schools, because as we all know, there is clearly more emphasis being put on indoctrination rather than education. And now, with social media, more and more of these left-wing radical teachers are bragging about it. A teacher in Baltimore, Maryland, celebrated indoctrinating students while dancing in a post on TikTok. Put the taxes in the bag, the teacher's post on TikTok said, as the middle school Spanish teacher jovially danced. The teacher was responding to criticism of using a song in which she lip-synced Bleep Up On Your Bleep in a video adorning her classroom in Pride materials. Fox News Digital identified the teacher as Alexa Siudu, who works at Pine Grove Middle School in Baltimore County School District. Siudu responded to a user who said, none of this is what education is supposed to be about. Reading, writing, arithmetic. Why are you so effing hellbent on indoctrinating our children? 
Wow, this teacher actually got on TikTok and mocked a parent who was concerned about things like reading and math. This teacher also said in a different video that professionalism is a patriarchal and white supremacist myth. Oh my gosh, give me a break. But that's just one teacher. Another middle school teacher in Fort Worth, Texas, also bragged about indoctrinating children on TikTok while she questioned students on whether a non-binary identity made them uncomfortable. A teacher in New Jersey was accused of grooming students with gender ideology. In response, the teacher got on TikTok and recorded fourth graders on the use of non-binary and they-them pronouns. These are but a few examples of the scores of left-wing radicals who have been given the title of teacher and are put in front of a group of children each and every day. Maybe things might change if these people weren't hired in the first place. Parents need to hold school boards accountable and make sure the people who do the hiring are looking for teachers and not left-wing radical child groomers. All right, next let's talk about Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema, who announced on Friday that she is leaving the Democrat Party and registering as an independent. She broke the news to CNN's Jake Tapper by saying this. I've registered as an Arizona independent. I know some people might be a little bit surprised by this, but actually I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, a growing number of Arizonans and people like me just don't feel like we fit neatly into one party's box or the other. And so, like many across the state and the nation, I've decided to leave that partisan process. So what does this all mean? Not much at all on the national scene or in how business will be conducted in the United States Senate. Democrat Senate leader Chuck Schumer indicated that Cinema will keep her committee assignments and she will continue to caucus with the Democrats. So Republicans gain nothing from the move. Despite this fact, the reaction from the Democrats has been quite mixed. You have Democrat Senator Amy Klobuchar, who said everything basically stays the same. If she were to say, no, I'm going over Republican, I am not voting with them anymore, that's a whole different thing. That is nowhere near what she said. And she has tended not to go to the caucus meeting, something she said, so I'm not like telling something out of school, um, except for rare moments where she's advocating for something she cares about. And that's not gonna change either. That's Amy Klobuchar, but socialist Bernie Sanders had a different take on the cinema switch. I happen to suspect that it's probably a lot to do uh, with politics back in Arizona, I think. Uh, the Democrats there are not all that enthusiastic about somebody who helps sabotage some of the most important legislation that protects the interests uh, of working families and voting rights and, and so forth. She is a corporate Democrat uh, who has, in fact, along with Senator Manchin, sabotaged enormously important legislation. And then there's potential Democrat challenger Ruben Gallego. Arizona Representative Ruben Gallego, a potential challenger to cinema, should she run again in 2024, blasted the move in a statement saying, quote, unfortunately, Senator Cinema is once again putting her own interests ahead of getting things done for Arizonans. Yes, this mostly comes down to Cinema trying to increase her chances of victory in 2024 when she has to run for re-election for the Senate. There's a good chance she could be taken out in the Democrat primary. And so one way to prevent that is to no longer be a Democrat. All right, next, here's the latest on Rona McDaniel and her efforts to keep her position as chair of the Republican National Committee. McDaniel, just like Kevin McCarthy, is facing growing opposition to her remaining as the leader of the party. She has overseen losses in three straight elections, and she initially said she would not run for another term. Even so, 
McDaniel is said to all have already wrapped up commitments from a majority of RNC members. However, that support is eroding by the day. Rona McDaniel has pledges of support from 108 of the 168 Republican National Committee members voting in next month's chairmanship race. But RNC insiders say a fourth term for Mrs. McDaniel isn't a done deal. RNC members are experts at looking you in the eye and saying, oh, I am with you, and in a secret ballot going into the voting booth and slitting your throat. New Jersey committeeman Bill Palatucci said after Herschel Walker lost the Georgia Senate race. So I take all that stuff with a grain of salt. To date, the Republican parties of Texas and Arizona have expressed no confidence in McDaniel's leadership and have called for a change. Morton Blackwell, the founder of the Leadership Institute and longtime Virginia RNC committee man, has come out in favor of challenger Harmeet Dillon. Vermont's committee man Jay Shepard has joined in as well. McDaniel is certainly working hard to secure her endorsements, and she has a number of heavy hitters in her corner. But friends, it's quite clear that it is time for a change, and the leader of the Republican National Committee is a great place to start. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our next show will be Wednesday evening at the usual time. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is the 13-Minute News Hour.